Hello, welcome to I Love Rock and Roll. I'm Ken Krantz. Uh, I have no co-host this week. Chip is on the road, but uh, Ming Chen is behind the boards. What's up, everybody? I, I may chime in, you know, save you from a, a chipless show, shall we say? Uh, I mean, this is, uh, yeah, I don't think anybody is looking for me to <laughs> to ride solo on these Please, please chime in. Okay, you got it. Um, I am excited about today's guest. Um, she is the front woman of uh, a glam rock band, like an up and coming glam rock band, which is um, glam rock is uh, that was the music that got it all started for me. Um, but they are a terrific new band called Rocks Revolt and the Velvets. And uh, we have Rocks Revolt here with us today. Nice. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you so much. I'm, gl for I'm glad you you mentioned the name. Uh, we we get a lot of people calling us Rocks Revolt and the Red Velvets and all kinds of stuff. So I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and the Red Velvets. That's funny. Yeah, people they, never learn the name. They think you're cake. Um, yeah. No, I'm I'm excited. I I stumbled on your guys' music and. Um, I absolutely love it. Uh, I've I've said this on this show a million times. Um, David Bowie is the artist that that changed my life. The first time I heard David live is what when I was a kid is what made me uh, stop listening to um, like Chicago and Huey Lewis, and uh, it sent me into a whole new uh, a whole new direction. And um, the first song that I stumbled on of yours is a song called Supersonica Girl. Mm -hmm. And um, the first time I heard it, I heard I heard T I heard very strong T-Rex vibes. And um, it sounded to me like um, like somebody uh, through T-Rex and Lou Reed and Courtney Love and Iggy Pop into a blender and uh, came out with Rock's Revolt and the Velvets. Well, that's a good, that's actually a good uh, review. And also, uh, we I love Courtney Love, which is one thing to mention over there. Mm -hmm. And uh, T-Rex is also one of my favorite bands. So thank you very much for that. A kind of comparison i really appreciate it uh supersonica it's been out there for a while how do you find it? uh i was just on you know i watch a lot of um i'll just i'll put youtube videos on kind of just in uh -huh. the background and just let them sort of shuffle around and uh -huh. uh, it just i guess whatever i was listening to that day uh you you match the algorithm and it came on that's pretty cool yeah but yeah, with this Supersonic, actually, when you saw the video, uh, the video was inspired by a lot of stories that came up about people watching David Bowie for the first time on, you know, top of the pops or TV or anything. Mm -hmm. So we try to do, we try to recreate one of the top of the pops performances. And inspired on that, the guy who did the, the video is a huge fan of, fan of David Bowie. So kind of, it kind of created all this set and all of that to match kind of the same vibe, but of course with our music and with our own with our own style to it. So it, it was a, like a vintage inspired video. Yeah, and I mean I feel like David Bowie changed a lot of people' view towards rock and towards music in general, and it's a huge influence for us too. So it just whenever we created this, we were not thinking about oh let's just try to do something like that but it just we're heavily influenced on him yeah so well i i like i like the spin on top of the pops because um i guess for the listeners who don't know top of the pops was a show that used to be on uh in england right mm -hmm. and uh every week they would just showcase uh different bands and um i think uh it it would be tough for this for the for the generations now to understand that um, like at one point uh, a band would play on TV and tens of millions of kids would be home watching because there mm -hmm. weren't, there weren't other distractions. There weren't iPads and 
7,000 channels. It was like you had eight things to watch. So, um, the people actually pay more attention to things. Right. And then, and then the impact, right? Like they say, um, they say when the New York dolls did their top of the pops performance, Mm -hmm. uh, that millions of, uh, young London kids were home watching and it inspired an entire wave of bands. Like Joe Strummer said, that was what, uh, Seeing the New York Dolls on top of the pops was what made him decide to be a musician. So I, I like I like that uh, I like that you guys recognized the importance of that. I mean, I feel like um, nowadays it's very dif- difficult to have an impact like that because everybody's so scattered around in many things, and uh, especially visually, I feel like music videos and live performances on TV and all that. That's all kind of declining you know what i mean yes there's less important importance to that especially for rock music so it's very hard to make an impact in that sort of way that when people did it before but i think there's gonna be a change up to that because there's many artists doing things for things to 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 give it a little more of a mainstream appeal to rock music and, and new rock musicians yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope so. I feel like uh, I feel like rock is long overdue for a revival mm-hmm. and especially glam rock. I, I love I don't know if you consider yourself like a glam rock band, but that when I when I was listening to the music, that's that's definitely what I heard. We have a glam element, but we mm-hmm. can be very punk, too. Yep. And uh, I feel like uh, glam and punk are, are Basically, you can intertwine them because they're both about rebellion, you know? Yes. Yeah. Even though one sounds a little happier and the other one doesn't, they're both about rebellion. <laughs> but if you mix them, I think you can get something similar to what we sound like and what we like to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, I agree. They're, they're definitely, they're definitely intertwined. But I'm surprised, I'm surprised Glamrock hasn't had more of a revival, uh, especially especially recently because um uh the world's it's like the planet is so accepting of uh gender fluidity now you know mm-hmm. and and androgyny and it's it's almost become mainstream so mm-hmm. um i sort of i've i for the last few years i've i've wondered like why hasn't there been why hasn't there been a revival there has been some bands actually out there that are doing a glam, not glam rock per se, but they're very glam in their appearance and their demeanor and everything. And they're being mainstream, like the Struts, mm-hmm. a little glam. Yeah. Uh, Starbenders, which is a new band that just got signed with, I think, Sumerian Records. Uh, and they're doing pretty good. So I think part of that, what you're saying is just like, there was a huge impact of seeing someone wearing all this glam stuff back then yeah. right now it's a little less impactful because people have seen it a lot it's a sort of mainstream right now you know what I right mean? well yeah well they see harry styles coming on stage in a dress and and uh people think he invented that oh yeah <laughs> harry Styles is another topic <laughs> he could do anything and people will think he invented it so it's just like okay just just let the kid go with it it's you know what you know why I think that is because um I don't know I I don't know I don't know how old you are I don't know what generation you're in I'm in my forties but when mm-hmm. when I was growing up if I found a band that I liked I would work backwards off them so you know when when I was thirteen or fourteen and fell in love with the Rolling Stones and then you'd read interviews with them and Keith Richards is talking about Muddy Waters and Howling Wolf. Yeah, I, I would then go check out Muddy Waters and Howling Wolf. I I would work, mm-hmm. I'd work backwards. If my parents told me about this great band in the seventies that they loved, I would I would go listen. I would I would do homework. Um, I don't think there's that curiosity anymore. So people uh, people right now, there's a lot of young people that just they there's 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 this thing that I believe in, which is appearances, and there's also personalities and real people that's doing stuff because that's how they are. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you see a person and you can tell, well, these people is legit, this is for real because you feel like that's coming out of their body. And then you see people that 
they can wear a costume or trying to do something that is not there for the sole purpose of selling or something like that. So I feel like a lot of kids nowadays, since they don't grow up with that particular experience and passion, like, you know, we see all these bands and we see all these different singers. Well, I was, I didn't grow in that era, but I saw a lot of it while I was growing up mm -hmm. and they were all different and they were all other special thing on themselves because it was about like more like about personality and about putting yourself out there instead of trying to fit in a mold so you can sell more records. Right. So you see all these kids following these celebrities and the celebrity will show up dressed in leather and they'll be like singing rap music, but they call it rock and roll just because they're dressed in leather. A lot of people is following trends and following things, but they're not cohesive on their message. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I'm not going to say names, but there are artists like that that show up dressing glam or dressing this and that, and they're singing th something completely different or they're doing something completely different that you know the glam or whatever they're putting out there is not about the glam, it's just about the fashion or the trends or whatever. Right. That's how I feel about a lot of music nowadays. That's how I feel about Harry Styles too. I don't know if you can put that out there, but you know, <laughs> I am, uh, I'm almost positive. He doesn't listen to this podcast. So I think, uh, <laughs> so <we're good. laughs> I think, I think you're going to be all right. Um, yeah. But even like, I was thinking about how, like, um, how like Kate Bush, you know, has had this because they put her on that show, Stranger Things. And, and now all these kids are acting like, oh, we just discovered Kate Bush. <laughs> this, I'm happy for it though. I, it's great. Thing. It's it's great. Yeah. No, it's it's um and and uh the sad thing about it though that that's not even her best song, I think. Yeah. Yeah, like Kate Bush is amazing. Like I've been listening to her for a while now. Like I kinda discovered her like two years ago. Mm -hmm. I wasn't big into Kate Bush. She's not big. I'm from Venezuela. She's right. not big in Venezuela. None of my friends or anything listen to her over there. And then Spotify showed to me in some playlists, and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then I was very surprised to see it on Stranger Things, and I'm surprised to see, like, how people is reacting to it, too. Yes. That's what I'm saying. I think that there's a revival coming, or actually emerging right now with the Elvis movie, with a bunch of, like, uh, the David Bowie documentaries coming out in movie theaters, too. Yeah. We had the Queen movie, you know, so it's coming. And yes. I feel like in this day and age, uh, there's so many things happening that people are so frustrated about that I feel like music should be a reflection of the times. And if we reflect on this time, there's a lot of chaos and a lot of things happening that people need to turn into art to do stuff to get away from that. And I think this is going to be the moment where this is going to be happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I hope you're right. I mean, like, look at, um, look at all that great art that came out of the sixties turmoil. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, I hope I hope that you're on to something. Um, but uh, so you just mentioned you're from Venezuela. I, I was reading yes. I was reading your bio and uh -huh. um, it said that you were you were pretty young when uh, music became a driving force in your life. It said it said around five is when you really five. what it's I've, I have no idea what popular music in Venezuela is. So what, what was it you heard that, that got your attention? Well, when I was five, um, I didn't hear anything in particular. I was just like, my aunt, she used to play the piano. Mm -hmm. And in my grandma's house, there was a lot of instruments. Nobody played anything, but my aunt used to play the piano. So I got curious for the piano first because I always like music. I always like to play stuff. So I like drums and I like piano. But uh, in Venezuela, there was no drum academy, especially for for girls doing drums and stuff. It wasn't like my mom wasn't really into it. Yeah. So she was like, oh, we found you a piano teacher, whatever. And I was like, yeah, I'm down to start doing it. I started studying piano. I love music. And then I was watching TV probably around the age of six or seven. And I saw uh, we have some kind of, well, we used to have it, not anymore. But there was a TV show where they would invite artists to play music. Mm -hmm. And it will be like in some kind of a stadium every week. And there will be lots, lots of people. So I saw this artist called Patricia Manterola, which is a pop artist from, I think she's Argentinian or something. I don't remember. But actually what got me into music was the people. The audience was like so excited and, and that energy and stuff. It was pretty like, I don't know. 
I, I just stand and watch and I was like, wow, I, I think I want to do this. I want to be on a stage and I want to sing and I want to, you know, interact with people like that. And that was it. I always liked to sing, but after I saw that, I was just like, wow, I just, I want to perform. So I kept studying piano uh, for the sole purpose of start writing music. So I don't know. I kept going. Then I started writing music when I was 12 or 10. And then started my band at 13. And it was a shit show, but <laughs> then I had another band that was better. And then he kept going. <laughs> what, what was the name of your first band? Uh, it was uh, Avanti. I don't know. The drummer picked up the name, some Italian stuff. We were kids. So was... <laughs> and uh, what kind of music? It was uh, punk and it was mostly covers. I had like original songs when nobody wanted to play them. So, Yeah. And it, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, I mean, I don't know about Venezuela. I know over here when you're starting out, it's it's tough to make any kind of money playing original music. Yeah, um, no, we, we, the, there was no money. There was just kids and we ended up playing some parties and stuff for kids our age too. And we got booed on the first show, but we kept playing. And uh, I, I think I think getting money out of music is very difficult, but it's not impossible. Yeah. No. So it's a long road. It's, I think we it's, still. It, yeah. It, it's I, I got to imagine it's hard, especially with uh, like I was reading, like you guys have something like um, Supersonica Girl, I think, racked up like 225,000 streams on uh, mm -hmm. Spotify, which sounds amazing. But then people don't realize like, oh, well, that that amounts to like, I don't know, like $17. <laughs> yeah, no, basically in YouTube, this is something that a lot of people ask me about this, though. Uh, in YouTube, you don't get any money until you hit the 1,000 followers. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter if you get a million views on something. If you don't have a 1,000 followers, you won't get any. You won't see a dime of it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. So you have to hit that bracket first yeah. and then you start making money of it. And still it will be like probably like 20 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah. I have, um, I have one comedy album out and, uh, it's, it's on Spotify. I know what those, I know what those quarterly checks. Oh yes. Spotify. <laughs> I, know, <laughs> yes. I know what those look like. They don't, uh, like it costs more to mail the check to me. <laughs> it costs more to actually promote it than what you actually made from it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but if if you love, I mean, if you love it, you 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 gotta. It's how, it's how the game's played now, right? Yeah, it's uh, Spotify is a curse and it's also a blessing because I feel like everybody is so subject to the rules or to the trends or to whatever that it kind of loses a lot of the excitement of putting music out or actually doing something because you have to follow all these steps and all these patterns and all this, you know. And uh, we are. We like in the band, we're musicians, we're artists, we're entertainers. We don't, we, when we started making this, when we started creating music, when we start dreaming about this, we never thought about Spotify and all this stuff that you have to fill up now to put music out. You know, when I started putting music out, they was just putting your music out, put it to your friends and trying to spread it all over right. however you can. But now you have to go through all these steps and ladders and the content and all that bullshit creation that not necessarily is what, a person who likes to sing and perform and stuff really likes to do. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. No, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, they say, they say the same thing with comedians. You ha you have to be putting out minimum four videos a day four not a day, a week, like minimum four Instagram captioned videos a day. And, um, it, it, it's funny with artists. It's like when, when it starts to feel like work, mm -hmm. even though it's your job, you don't want it mm -hmm. to feel like work. When it starts to feel like work, it, it just sucks the fun out of it. Yes. And, and if you're not having fun doing it, then, then what's, what's the point? Then what's the point? Exactly. Now we, we try to keep it fun, but it's kind of complicated with all the, all the, um, all the requirements that you have to do now, like all the TikTok and all that. And every day it's a new app and, Spotify requesting this, or you have to do a canvas and you got to do all of that. So there's so many things to keep up with yeah. when you put in music or anything else. Yes. Kind of takes away from the, 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 the sort of rock quality to, well, to us at least it kind of takes a little bit away from that 
but we do what we can. We yeah, bring it, take it to more people. I I feel like we've um, like when I was growing up, when I was a kid in the eighties before the internet and all that. Um, the only you didn't know anything about these artists. The only thing you knew about them was the day their new album came out. And and, mm-hmm. you, and you would take the record or the CD back to your house and put it on and you'd open it up and you'd read everything on the inside cover and you'd, you'd see who was on it. You'd read the lyrics if they had them. Uh, occasionally, if they were a big enough band, they'd, they'd give a, an interview to Rolling Stone or Cream Magazine. And that was it. There, there, there was like an air of mystery to these guys. Yeah. And um, now it's like the complete opposite. Now it's like, oh, no, you have to be engaging with your fans uh, 600 times a day. You have to let them know. Yeah. Like, I remember um, like Jane's Addiction is one of my uh, favorite bands. They've, they've, they've been one of my favorite bands since since I discovered them. And the reason was because uh, Perry Farrell seemed like he, he seemed like uh he seemed like the American version of David Bowie, like like not 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 so much uh, musically, but just like he just seemed like he was from another planet, you know, like mm-hmm. he, he didn't he didn't he didn't feel real to me. Like he, he was just so mysterious. And now I follow him on social media and I'm like the other day I'm reading about him uh, complaining about uh, how long he was waiting for a table at a restaurant. You know, like saying about how his kids were his kids were getting annoyed and he couldn't believe that they couldn't do anything to to and it was like, oh, I, I liked it better when when you were a When you didn't know. Yeah, you wanna yeah. you wanna you wanna have the, <laughs> the mystic around it. You wanna have the like, oh, there is a star or musician or whatever. And I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Honestly. Um so how old how old were you when you moved to the States? I was 2021 and uh was was that did did you did you move alone did you come over with anyone okay i have a an aunt over here Mm -hmm. and she offered me to stay at her place while i just moved because i have to move from venezuela and then wait seven months to start working yeah so i moved with her and um her my cousin and her husband and then after a few months, I just move on my own. How uh, was it? Was it scary? I mean, was it scary or exciting coming over to America? I was very excited. Like since I was a kid, I always wanted to come to America just because the same thing that you see, you know, the bands that you follow, the people that you admire, they're from here. And then she's like, yeah, you want to go there, want to come here and and make it on on this market because this is where it's at, you know what I mean? This is where rock music's at. So I was very excited. Of course, I was a little sad, like my family, my dog and everything over there. Mm-hmm. But mostly it was just excitement about the future. Yeah. And um, and then I was reading you started out uh, in the open mic scene. Mm-hmm. Over here. Yeah. What's I, I know what that's like for... Uh, I know what that scene is like for comedians, but maybe you can tell us what it's like for musicians. Well, it was, uh, for me, it was very, very, very hard to kind of step out and start doing open mics because I moved over here and the first thing I started doing was looking for a band. I came from Venezuela and I had a band over there mm-hmm. and my band was doing good. And I'm just like, okay, and the situation went downhill. So my band's not going anywhere because a lot of things is happening. So I moved here and I was like, I need to start getting a band. But the first five months, it was just me trying to struggling, trying to, you know, find my, my ground and see what I was going to do, whenever I was going to do here with my life. So as soon as I could come out of my shed, I was just like, I need to find musicians. So I went online and I ended up finding uh, a cover band. And I was like, okay, I'm going to start with this because I need to find people and meet people. And these were all, all like old, older guys. Like they were all on their 70s and 60s. <laughs> Oh wow! And yeah, and they and they they liked because they liked me because I knew all the all of the songs that they wanted to play, and for them it was fascinating. Now to me it was really fun. But we never got to play a show because they were too old, and the drummer got injured before playing a show, which is a funny story. 
but um, after that, I was just like looking for more musicians, but I couldn't find anyone. A lot of people are not serious about music and they think you're stupid whenever you say, oh, I want to put music together, new music or original music or whatever. They just want to make money out of it. So I didn't find any musicians. So I was just like, okay, I just guess I'm gonna hope I'm gonna have to do open mics. And I went to the open mics with an acoustic guitar and started playing and singing my songs. And some people liked me and I met some people of the local scene, but still didn't find any musicians. So I was just like, okay, I'm just gonna do it on my own. And I'm just gonna do a solo song or two solo songs. And I ended up uh, making two songs on my own. And I recorded some of the instruments. I have some musicians in Venezuela that recorded some other stuff. And the dollar, you know, they, they exchanged. It was cheaper, so it didn't cost me much, but time and all of that. So I did that, put two songs together, and then I kept doing the open mics. I would show up in the open mics, kind of promoting the songs that I recorded. And that's how I found a guitar player and a bass player. And they were like, yeah, we want to play with you, whatever, whatever. And then... Um, that's just my bass player. He's still with me right now. The other guitar player, he's out. But mm-hmm. when I have my bass player, I found a drummer. And then it was just bass player, me and the drummer. And kept doing open mics, but not with these people. And then looking around in other open mics, trying to find musicians in other bands. So musicians that were just doing, you know, acoustic or any solo stuff over there. And that's how I met uh, Jacob. And through Jacob, I made, I met the drummer, Chris, because our drummer just left us in the middle of that. So... That's how I found the band. Open mics are fun and they could be very embarrassing if you have like, if you're shy whenever you're going to perform. But the ones I played at, people was very receptive and they were very nice. But they're hard to find musicians at. Do do you get actual uh, audience members at, at a music open mic? Yeah, there's people actually listening. Especially because the open mics I was going through was like, could be poetry, rap, rock, everything mm-hmm. was mixed. So you get a, like a like all kinds of audiences looking at what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. like with what I do with the open mic scene, um, which is how everybody comes up, uh, mm-hmm. most of them, you don't even get audience members. You, you get, if there's 30 comics at an open mic, you you've got 30 comics as your audience. You're, you're not getting people off the street. And, okay. And uh, if there's anything comics aren't interested in, it's sitting and listening and paying attention to other comics. So, For real? Yeah, I found it. I found it pretty. I found it pretty frustrating, actually, the, the open mic scene, because they're not paying attention to you. They're, they're just there to work on their own stuff. Um, it's like you say, you find, you find a couple, you find, you find a handful of people that you really click with and and they've got the same sensibilities and that, that sort of becomes your network. But, um, the actual, uh, the actual, um, performing at an open mic, I, I never, I never got much out of it. I, I found for me, I was, I was better off staying home and writing. And and trying to maybe get on a bar show or or do a quick spot on a friend show if he had five minutes for me. Uh, okay, I found that more useful. Um, Did it serve to practice? It it yeah in a way. I mean, I guess there's something to be said for just standing up there and and hearing the words come out of your mouth. But yeah. it's it's tough if 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 you've got 30 comics in the audience not paying attention and you're not getting, Mm -hmm. you're not getting laughs when you should be. It's, it's tough to, it's tough to gauge. I found it could actually be a little more, um, it could be, uh, uh, almost detrimental because I'll be like, Oh, that joke must stink. But then if, if I, if I try it in front of a, 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 a packed club and a, a pay, a, you know, people who paid money for tickets and are invested mm-hmm. in having a good time. Uh, the joke could work great. So sometimes okay. I found like, I don't even, I don't even trust what's happening at these open mic. The one thing I knew is if I got laughs at an open mic, I knew it was funny. And then I was like, okay, that joke is a keeper. That's staying. 
Because if, if, yeah, well, if you can make people looking at their phones, you know, but they just hear and, and you get a laugh like that, then mm-hmm. then then, you know, you're on to something. That's cool, though. I feel like uh, sometimes performing to a, an audience that is not reactive or they they just literally don't give a fuck uh, is uh, becomes draining. Yes. Especially yeah. if you put in a lot of yourself over there and there's no reaction whatsoever and it becomes draining. We play with a few a few audiences like that, and we are very energetic, and we put our energy out there. But sometimes people are just like they just watch and they just shy to move or to do anything. And then after the show is done, they come to you and they be like, "Oh, I love your band. I love whatever you did." And they buy a bunch of merch <laughs> and all of that. And I'm just like, "No, <laughs> that's not that's not how it works. Don't buy anything, but please give some energy for the show because it's it's kind of exhausting. Yeah, whenever you don't get that into like you know." Yeah, it's like a you feed off each other, yes. the audience and and like yourself, the audience, and it's back and forth. And if you don't get that back and forth, whenever you're done, you're exhausted. Yes. So. Yeah, that's and I can't imagine because uh, I've I've watched I've I've you've you've got a you've got a couple complete live sets up on YouTube, and I was yeah. watching them, and, <laughs> and they you are you are very high energy, so I can't imagine what that's like throwing yourself all over the stage to, you know, people kind of just sitting there. Or, I don't know. I don't know if you, if you're going to, to go to rock shows nowadays, like from, from newer bands and all of that. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. No, I, 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 you know what? I don't even know t- uh, who, who uh, actually, wait, who did I just see? I just saw a new rock band. Uh, do you know Dirty Honey? Yeah, I just saw uh, I just saw the Dirty Honey band. They were great, yeah, but they're good. But they're pretty classic. They're like classic, yeah, rock ish yeah. with some. So they're pretty good. But like, try to go to a like a I don't know seventeen or eighteen year old kids band or something, and they will be playing some kind of shoegaze kind of rock and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, the audiences for this kind of this kind of events, like young kids, like sixteen or seventeen year old, they're not. I feel like they're not very comfortable with putting themselves out there. It's, it's kind of a normative to be like, like they, they don't try to show any emotions and that's how they go through life. You know, yes. that's the thing. That's the kind of, that's kind of the thing to be right now. So you play uh, these rock shows for kids like that. And then they are like that just because that's the way to be either like, like this. And they just basically move a little bit and they try not to show any emotion, either good or bad, or they're trying to be very neutral. It's like a cultural thing. I don't know what it is, but that's kind of the sort of things that we try to kind of fight off because if this keeps happening, there's not going to be any rock scene. Yeah. It's not any rock scene now because it's been happening for a while, but it needs to fucking change. So we play these shows with these kids and they're like, they're like, oh, they're liking the show, but they're just, they don't want to show any emotion because it's not cool. And it becomes draining. It becomes exhausting. But lately all these past shows, I've been trying to tell them that, you guys are bitches. <laughs> Why are you so afraid of do something? You sleep your fucking life. And some of them, some of them, uh, my bandmates are like freaking out because I said it and I didn't think through, but I said it because it, it's the truth. They're, they're standing because it's cool to be quiet. It's cool to be contained. I'm like, nah, fuck you. You're on a rock show. Yeah. You guys are you, bitches. You, pay, you paid for a rock show. You paid to watch a rock band yeah. and then you're going to go and buy our fucking merch and then you're going to go there and say how uh, amazing we were. And then you don't do fucking shit. You know what? If you do something, we'll do something for you. And then you get two or three kids are like, you know what? This is kind of cool. And they go in and jump. And then you get four kids and then five kids, seven kids. And then all of a sudden it's just like 10 or 12 kids and they're joining. And you feel like you make a little bit of a change of an improvement. Yeah. So, yeah. You, you win them over in real time. It's fun watching. I, I, I like watching bands win over crowds in real time. Yeah, so especially openers, you know, the the band that nobody paid to come see that people are just, you know, looking at their phones or getting their drink. And when when you see a band, when you when you see an opening band, when you see people start to turn and face the stage, you're like, oh, that's 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 great. That must feel being an opening band is difficult sometimes. Is it? Yeah, I'm so so. uh for like what I find with comedy, uh, when I when I'm an opener, to me I love it. I mean, I I would rather be the headliner. I'd rather make the mm-hmm. headliner money. I'm I'm happier headlining. 
But if if I have a comic I'm friends with or I get booked just to be what's called the feature act where I do maybe half an hour before the headliner, mm -hmm. to me, I love it because um, to me, it's the easiest spot on the show because nobody came to see me. So their expectations are pretty low. So mm -hmm. I don't even have to be that funny uh, to win them over. You know, it's, okay. it's like if I if I'm having an OK night, there'll be, you know, it's like they're almost like, oh, we thought this guy was just going to stink anyway. So the fact that the fact they that get we, they get they get they get back for their buck without even expecting it. Right. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's also we've had this conversation with bands before. It's also being an opening being an opening band or comic. It, it's a tough job because um, uh, it's almost like if you're too good at it you can lose work. You know, I don't if, if, know. If, I heard about it, but for like, I cannot say that for sure. You know what I mean? Well, I, 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 I know, com I know comics that will use soft openers, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll put, they'll put people up before them that aren't that funny because it makes them look so much better. They, they don't want somebody making too outstation. Yeah, they don't yeah, exactly. They they don't they don't want to have to work too hard. And um but I also I know openers I, I know I know comics that will put an absolute murderer in front of them because they want to work hard and they want to they want to give the crowd they want to be motivated. Show. Yeah. Yeah. So what what but what have your experiences been? For musicians, well to start with they our volumes for the openers are low. So whenever you play, our instruments are always going to sound lower than the main guy. Mm -hmm. The lights are always off. They don't use the lights or not. So whatever. So they always, their show is going to be louder and like, you know, very like fancy. And usually the opener gets like nothing. It's like low volume and then you perform. But like we've been opening for bands like from the 2000s. So we did Local Age, we did Puddle of Mud mm -hmm. and we're doing, I think we're getting some more shows like that. And it's a tough crowd because they see you and it's very different from what they're going to hear after. And then you go and stand there and perform. And I like the challenge of it. But of course, you have all this the sound, the lights and all of that. It's not going to be the same as Bottle of Mud. But the good thing about it is that you push yourself harder and people react to it. I feel like anything that you do, even if it's not the people's uh, particular style of music or it's nothing they know or not, people will always react to to a person putting the 200% of them on a stage or whatever you're performing, you know? Right. So the tough part is, is that, that you don't have all these elements and then the other band shows up and they have everything. And they, of course, they're going to sound massive next to you. But the good part is just like you get to work harder and usually you gain new fans and you get to win over a crowd and you surprise someone. Yeah. And then I, you get people like, oh my God, I was surprised to see you, Ben. I wasn't expecting any opener or whatever. We didn't know where you were. And then you make fans like that. Yeah. So it has a good things and it's bad things. But it's definitely difficult. I, I never understood. I never understood that mentality. I mean, I've, I've heard about that where uh, the headlining act is going to make sure that you don't sound as good. I just never understood that because. I, me neither. Because <laughs> the, the fans, the people that paid are the ones that get fucked over. They're, they're the ones that don't get the, the full experience. And if. But I think most of the people don't notice like, like regular people that go to watch the show, they'll be like, Oh, they're not going to think that the sound was louder or the lights were on enough. They're just going to think your set was more modest. You know, they won't notice what, what, what it was because people are just immersed watching the show. Uh, but they're going to feel it. They're going to know that there's going to be a difference, you know? And I feel like they do that because they want to, you know, be the main act and have everything, you know, perfect for them, which is fine. But yeah, we talk about it. And whenever we're headlining a show, a big show like that, we just keep the sound and lights fair for everybody. I don't see a point on that. They can be fans of two bands at the same time. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know? I mean, they're already there. You already got their money. Exactly. Um, it's and I guess there's two ways to go. Like I've heard it's it can make you bitter or it could make you uh, generous to the people behind you. So I've I've heard, you know, I, I, I've heard uh, some people say, you know, well, hey, nobody, nobody helped us out. 
So let these guys make it on their own. But then I've also heard like, hey, nobody helped us out. So let me let me make it a little easier for for the people coming up. Yeah, there's two of those mentalities in the music industry. Um, And there's a lot more to to know and and see out there, I'm sure. But yeah, there's people who get bitter and they don't want to help anybody out or they want to keep their secrets to themselves because they feel like somebody's going to, I don't know, stupid, stupid human behavior, I think. Yes. And you know, when you're a kid and stuff, all of that goes, you know, but after, after you turn 18 or 20 or whatever, you cannot be playing stuff like that. I feel like everybody should help each other. And that's it. I think so. I mean, listen, I, I was, At some uh, point. I, I was fortunate enough doing what I do that there, there were people that, that wanted to help me. And, and it takes, it takes, uh, it takes some courage to, to ask for help, you know, to, to ask somebody more established, like, Hey, can I pick your brain for a minute? And if somebody's nice enough to let you do it and then you don't do it for other people, it, it, it seems, uh, that just doesn't seem right to me. So I, I, I was lucky enough that people were people were pretty nice to me coming up. So if I ever have if I ever have a new comic hit me up, hey, can I ask you how do you do this or uh, can I can I ask you about this or that? I'm, I I'll always I'll always give them my time. And that's always supposed yeah, to be if they're, if they're if they're uh, respectful about it. Yeah. Um. So. You guys have so uh, any plans for a full length album? Yeah, we well, actually it's already recorded and everything. Oh, okay, great. So yeah, yeah, we haven't we haven't released a full album just because what we were talking about, like that was a plan. But now you have to keep everything content on the way, releasing stuff like every four or three weeks, mm-hmm. just because you're trying to engage with the algorithm so you can get on a playlist in Spotify and you know social media work. So we broke the album in EPs so we can actually keep releasing stuff. We have 13 new songs out there. And uh, in the next three weeks, we're going to be releasing two more. And then three weeks after two more. And that's how we're going to do it. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's yeah. it's almost like um, we've had this conversation before with, with Spotify and iTunes. It's almost like we've gone back to the jukebox days and albums aren't it's like almost it's like everything's just about singles it's mostly singles so people can listen to the stuff because i noticed like sometimes you put a a whole album there and then they will listen to they don't the attention spam is fucked yeah you know with all the tiktoks and all that stuff people want everything quick they want everything right now they don't want to pay attention to a lot of stuff so unless you're like a super established artist they won't go through your stuff and listen to all of this and so you have to do step by step, little by little too. also makes it easier for us uh, promoting and everything just because we can put more focus into one thing instead of spread it out into 13 songs. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Which is, uh, oh, I'm excited. I'm excited you guys are putting out new music. I've, I listen to everything uh, that you have. So I also saw um, you guys do on YouTube. I saw a killer uh, cover of Psycho Killer. By talking uh-huh. heads, do you um do you guys perform a lot of covers? Not really, actually. Psycho Killer was the first cover we performed, and we have kept it on the on the set list. And we play sometimes. We don't play it all the shows, but like lately, all the shows we've been playing, we don't play any covers. So we have Psycho Killer. We do My Chemical uh, Romance, and we do a Led Zeppelin cover. We do Immigrant Song sometimes. So we have like three or four four covers over there that sometimes we feel like playing a cover in the set. We'll do it. Yeah. We we'll just pick one. I love that. I love one. Oh, we do. We do. Give me danger too. Oh, uh, by yeah. by the Stooges. Yes. That's such a great song. Yeah. Um. What about? Uh, I know you just wrapped up a tour of Florida. Do you have more more dates? Anything announced? We're putting anything to promote. We we have. We have a couple of shows. They're all going to be on our social media on Instagram and Facebook and everything. We have a picture with all the show dates over there, but we're going to Pompano Beach in Miami by next month. And we also are going by next week. We're going to Tampa 
in Sarasota. I'm terrible with the dates, but I know it by Friday and Saturday. But we have social media over there, and you can check all the dates out for us. Um, do you remember what was the first? What was the first album, or who was the first artist that uh, that made you uh, like a fan of, of glam rock? Like, who who was the first artist that you really? took notice of glam rock um mark boland yeah more than david bowie i love mark boland i like t-rex a lot yeah they were i i just read um there's a mark boland documentary coming out soon i think for real i was just reading yeah and I haven't seen any that, of that that feels let me look it up to make sure i'm not just uh high but um, I'm almost pod because uh, I it's I, I I went looking recently like on YouTube and and you can't even yeah they, they, there was they they did one in uh where is it yeah. while, you, while you look that up I have the upcoming dates here for anybody who wants oh. them uh, uh that'd, be, that'd be perfect thank yeah, you uh, August fourth at Curtis Hickson Park in Tampa. Uh, August 20th at Rackham in Cape Coral. August 26th at Bar Nancy in Miami. August 27th at Piper's Club in Pompano Beach. And September 3rd at Crowbar in Ybor City. Any plans to come to Jersey? That would be amazing. We were there a few months ago, but we're putting another uh, tour together. So by October and November, we'll be doing the same tour and we're going to add some more dates. So we went to Jersey, New York. Oh, uh, so yeah. What, do you remember where you played in Jersey? We played. Uh, it was a brewery. I'm terrible with I'll see if I can find it. Yeah, but it was uh, a brewery, a brewery show. Okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, feature length documentary on Mark Bolin and T Rex premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival this just last month. So uh, that's I haven't heard any of it. I'll check it out. Yeah, because yeah. I saw the BBC one that they did on him. But I just hope he was more famous here in the United States, because I feel like a lot of people don't know him. Don't know T-Rex over here. They're like kind of unknown. Yeah, well, he 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 uh, he died so young and then, so young. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, um, I think I think Bowie had just sort of I, I, I think I think Bowie blew up so huge right at that same time that there almost mm -hmm. wasn't um it's like there almost wasn't enough spotlight for for someone else. Mm -hmm. But um yeah, T-Rex was was always uh they were always I thought so great and so underappreciated. Mhm. Mm um uh, I found the brewers at uh, 902 Brewing in Jersey City. Good place. Uh, Good place. So Oh, okay. It was fun. <laughs> Not too far. Yeah, I would I would definitely come see you guys uh, next time you're here. Yeah, no, absolutely. We'll make sure we hit you up. Um, we're putting it together right now. So we're excited about doing it. Like last time we went, it was a lot of fun. We met a lot of people, met new fans. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. And then, um, and uh, tell me what you think of this. I, I was, um, I just read something from a musician I, I I have a feeling you might agree where where they t do you like do you make most of your money off merch? Like I I was reading I I just read an interview I can't remember what musician but they said basically they're like oh where I'm a t-shirt salesman and I happen to have a band. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, you make you can make a lot more money on merch and actually what you get paid. Yeah. That's so yes. You make money on merch. Yeah. That's that's like, especially on tour when you're traveling and stuff, sometimes these places don't know you and they don't want to pay much or whatever they pay. It just covers, you know, basic stuff. Because you have to stay, sleep in a hotel, wherever you're going to stay. But uh, when you sell merch, all that money goes to you. And yes. you usually get like 100% or 200% of what you do, depending on how much you want to price it for. But yeah. merch is the thing right now. That's That's crazy. It's, it's, it's I mean, it's good that there's an avenue for musicians to make the money, but it's 
it's sad that that it has to be that. And know? sometimes it gets to a point whenever you finish the show, you stand next to the merch table. So when people approach you, you'd be like, hey, how are you guys? Like, whatever. Thank you so much. You like the show? Get some merch. And they kind of have to buy some merch for you because you <laughs> well, you got to do what you got to do. If not, how the fuck are we going to keep playing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I see. Uh, I'm I'm so I'm so bad at that uh, promote promoting myself. Um, I don't I don't have merch. A lot of comics will sell T-shirts and shit like that, and mm -hmm. to because the you know especially if you're if you're a feature act or an unknown headliner who who doesn't draw well, uh, that's that's their main source of revenue. And uh, I don't, I don't have it in me. And when I, I, when I put out my album and I, I got these physical copies, I, I set up a merch table one time and I was never able to do it again. If I you didn't like it, I couldn't, I, I felt, I felt cause I, I had to stop my act and be like, Hey, I'll, I'll be out. I'll be out front selling albums if anybody's interested. But, um, I, it's, it's so it's, it's it, to me like it feels like I'm begging people for money, you know, yes. which which probably isn't the right way to look at it because I I know comics that sell merch and it's yes. like you said you can make you can make the same amount of money you're getting paid for the weekend or more mm -hmm. uh, just off the merch. So so honestly, it's it's kind of when you start it's weird just because particularly me when we started the band I was like who the fuck want to buy sure with our name on it you know yeah because you're like okay oh, yeah, you don't want to be you don't want to seem like okay get my shirt get whatever because with this cool band or whatever like you you i think sometimes i think like that and it's like who's gonna buy that people's gonna think we're pretentious because we have a sticker with our name or whatever mm -hmm. but then after you start doing it my bass player he's huge on that he's one like let's get merch let's do this let's do that he's the one who started the whole thing and i was like i don't know if people's gonna buy it but then after you put it over there and then People see you, is, is what I told you earlier. People see you doing the best you can. They put in a good show, putting a lot of energy and effort for them to be entertained. Sometimes they want to reward you with something. Sometimes they want to take something because they really engage with you and they like your show. Yeah. And they'd be like, okay, I want to I wanna have this sticker of this person and support them. So now I see it like that's the way of a lot of people to support. And since they know, everybody knows now that streaming doesn't give you money, that YouTube doesn't give you any money that you don't make any money with the music. A lot of people, they just want to put their money straight up in your pockets. And like, give me a ticket for that. Yeah. Yeah. Which, is, which, which is great that people want to do it. And it's great that you've got mm -hmm. someone in the band who is, uh, who's focused on that. Cause yes. I, I, I just work by myself and I'm, I can't, uh, you know, it, it just feels too unnatural to me. And I do the designs. I don't take care of anything else. I don't order the merch. I don't do any of that because that's not, that as I told you, I don't add like that part of the business for me. It's it takes away from like the, what you can be focusing on performing on creating on writing on right. you know just overall it takes away the magic from that. So I design, I do the design for the shirts and all of that. But my bass player then he's the one who's in charge of all the merch and getting all that together. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, that's great. That's great to have someone to do it. If, uh, mm -hmm. if you're a band and you're looking for someone to do that, don't hire me. I, I will, <laughs> uh, I, I will not do a good job. And I'm, I'm also like too self-deprecating. I, I, I'm like the same, what you just said. I'm like, why would anybody, I don't even understand why people buy tickets to the live show. I'm, I'm like, this is, I, I don't know, like before I take the stage, my, my train of thought is always, this is just so dumb. Like, why, why would anybody care about what I have to say? Why are people paying strangers to make, like, don't you have a funny friend that you can sit around with and make you laugh? Like you're, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you're paying a stranger to make the whole concept. When I really think about it just seems, uh, it's almost a little embarrassing. I'm, I'm always like when I, when I meet a comic who is so proud about being a comic and, and they, they, they tell people. Uh, you know, if you're if they're at parties and they're they're telling people, oh, I'm a stand up. I would I I don't even understand. I'm like, I, I feel like good comics should be slightly embarrassed <laughs> by by what by what they're doing. I feel like a lot like when you have a performer that is self conscious, mm -hmm. 
usually you got a good performer because you're always going to try to do the best you can Yeah. to overcome that because there's a lot of things in your head like, okay, okay, why are they paying for that? What you're doing is not good enough. Whatever it is, it's too much money for what you're offering. And that's how I am too. Like whenever I'm going to perform a show, I was sometimes we play shows where the tickets are like 30 or 40 bucks. And I was like, why will anyone pay 30 or 40 bucks to see a bunch of bands that they're not that known or anything? Yeah. But then you go to perform and then you're like, okay, these people pay 40 or 30 bucks to see you or whatever they pay. They've taken the time to come see your band or whatever. And yeah. you start seeing people that is following your band. And then you're like, okay, so they're just getting entertained. It's just, you're an entertainer, go and do it. But there's always this voice in the back of your head. that is like, why would they, or yes. for real, is it people coming? Is somebody really going to come and see your band? Are they going to hate it? Are they going to like it? But what I think about that is that I really want to keep having those voices in my head because I want to keep being self-conscious because I feel like that's what keeps everybody on their toes. Yeah. Trying to be better. Yes. Oh, you know? I, I love the way you put that. I couldn't agree with that. I couldn't agree yeah. with that more. And I never fully understood why I'm like that. I'm like, why, why do I do this? If I, if I find it slightly embarrassing, because that's what you like to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same with performing could be slightly embarrassing. You stand there and, you know, sometimes you click, sometimes it doesn't click. One day you have a weird show that you don't click. You're not there because you're human, you know, and you put the best of your abilities to make it click. And meanwhile, that's not working. You're like thinking about stuff and you're like, okay, am I doing this wrong? Am I playing bad or anything? And all that shit's stressful. But the moments where you click and when you're there and when you like realize that it's going from them to you and from you to them, it's actually make it worth all the stress on the side yeah yeah well i i it's it's i know uh it's interesting to hear a musician admit that because i know i like i've i've in conversations with comics uh, i know there's others that feel like me um but it's it's interesting hearing that uh come from a musician um so rocks i hope i hope you had uh i hope you had fun today yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, thank you so much. I, I'm so glad you didn't ask me where the name came from and all kinds of bullshit like that. Just because yeah. it's, it's annoying. I, you know, it's funny you say that. I, um, I probably, uh, I, I've been doing this podcast for about a year, and that's probably a question I would have asked, uh, you know, a, a year ago. But I've seen enough. I've watched enough YouTube interviews of bands where they get asked that question. And I've never seen a positive, I've never seen a positive reaction to that question. It's very fucking annoying. <laughs> <laughs> it's annoying. You don't want to keep seeing, telling the same story all over and over and over. And I feel like I like interviews when you can actually talk and, and have a little more of like an insight of something completely different than there was the name from, how old are you or you know yeah so it's cool okay definitely yeah well great um hopefully uh hopefully we'll see you again maybe uh maybe in the fall as your as your tour is underway we can uh we can help you promote some shows in new jersey and new york and that'd be awesome yeah yeah we'd love that and um listen make sure you go to youtube or wherever you stream music but go, I would say go on YouTube and, and watch Rox's videos because uh, you can tell they 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 put a lot of uh, they put a lot of time and energy in, into making good music videos, which I feel like is such a lost art. And um, go follow them, follow them on social media. And for fuck's sake, uh, if you like the music, buy a T-shirt, support the band, help keep them going. Buy a t-shirt or a sticker or just follow us. It really helps us out. So Yeah. Uh, our videos are cool. So go and watch them and yes. tell us what you think of it. Yeah. And uh, I can't wait. Uh, I can't wait to see you guys live. No, I can't wait to meet you, man. Yeah. So uh, thank you so much for the invitation. Yeah. I'm actually, yeah, this has been a fun uh, noon for me. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing yeah. it. And um, we'll see you next week. We'll be back. 